0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Illustrated. Matt
1: Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller, a national championship-winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian
2: Welcome in. Welcome in to Big Noon Sports. Happy Friday, everybody. Um, in studio with me today is the legendary... <laughs> you're
3: talking twice, man. You're unbelievable. 30. How I do you know, do that? I know, I know, You're talking on one side of your mouth and you're talking on the other we, side We uh, have that. some
2: uh, <laughs> echo, 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 echo. Uh, happens way too much at the beginning of the show. My apologies But uh, happy Friday, everybody. Uh, Thanks for listening to us here in Birmingham on 92.5, 95.3, and 1260 AM in Tuscaloosa, our flagship station, 100.9, and in Anniston and Gadsden on 97.5. And, of course, you can always check us out on our website, bignoonsports.com. There's an easy... Listen button. You can just hit that. Now, and, why big uh, noon
3: sports? Where'd you come up with that that, that brilliant idea? That you game?
2: know, okay. So t- <laughs> at twelve thirty, we have Tim Brando on. Okay, and I already told Brando, yeah. hey, we uh, we admit we plagiarize the word big.
3: Yeah, <laughs> right. Biggest for Brando. Yes, starts <laughs> at noon. so it's the big noon. Okay, I got it. Yeah, I just one I yeah. you came up. Yeah. But I don't, it, know if you, I don't know if you've gotten some type of committee or maybe a branding company to come up with that AF4 just to make sure you were...
2: Uh, <laughs> I'm just I think it me. was uh, the uh, the genius of uh, Walt Williams uh, yeah. is on, on our team. Yeah. Um, and also, we'd love to take your calls today. Uh, hit us up at 205-342-9904. And, uh, it, it, Tony, I, I wanted to start with uh, a little assignment here. Ah. Uh-huh. This is what I give my students yeah. uh, right And at, I, have spe- I have
3: spoken to your class before, so I know how this works, yes.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, you've been very generous with your time over the years. You haven't asked my me my the last students. four years. I figured I messed it up last time I, I did it. <laughs> but, uh, the last time I spoke to your class was up at our old digs. It was. <laughs> Remember we crammed into the studio? We did. And we put a couple students on air? That, uh-huh. that was a good it time. Was good. It was good. That was a good time. But I asked my students for the very first um, assignment to write an essay about their favorite sports memory. Uh-huh. So if you were to write that essay, does it go back to something with your dad? Does it go back to... Uh, uh, just something from your childhood? Is it something recent? Is it spending time uh, two weeks up on a billboard? <laughs> what is your favorite sports memory? Yeah,
3: the billboard thing uh, back in 1990, Gene Stallings' first year, they lose to Southern Miss, Georgia, and Florida, and, and of course, I, I, I promised I'd stay up on a billboard until uh, they won a football game, not thinking it was going to be three weeks, but maybe a couple of days. <clears throat> and it was certainly my, my 15 minutes of fame, or one of my 15 minutes of fame, and I was very blessed to do that. It was really, it was really hot during the day and really cold at night. I got really sick. I was on 18 inches the scaffolding was unbelievable but you're a father so uh, my dad was a newspaper distributor worked uh, from like midnight till eight every night uh, didn't have a day off in 40 years and uh, while well, he turned out to be uh, one of my best friends and my best man in, in, in my, my, my marriage um... He uh, didn't have a lot of time to play ball with me. Uh, the only time I went to a Reds game was usually with my brother because I got straight A's one year. They had a, a Reds program where you get you get tickets for the straight A program. So I didn't do a lot of sporting things with my dad. So I promised myself that when I had a son, that I would get into uh, going to sporting events. And 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 despite the fact that you know you used to go to buy tickets for things, now it's it's uh, it's it's almost uh, fiscally impossible to do that. So. Um, I would say going to see my Bengals beat the Titans in last year's playoff was uh, one of my best experiences because I was with my boy. Uh, you ever notice when you go to a restaurant and you're around people you really love and you're just having a good time, the food could suck. It doesn't really matter, but it could be the best dinner you yeah. ever had because of the people you're around. So we could have seen a thirty four to nothing game, and it would have been just a wonderful experience because I was with my son. And um, to win the way they did on the McPherson field goal at the end of that game uh, was just unbelievable to see a game of that magnitude just as a as a professional football fan. And then I'm a Bengals fan much like yourself, to see that was, you know, we we held each other, we cried. It was great. It, w- it was fantastic. And then, um, for Christmas, uh, it's, a, it's a two-part story here. For Christmas, my son wanted to see the Cavs play. And he's a huge Cavaliers fan. He was a Cavaliers fan before LeBron got there. He's a Cavs fan after, uh, during their most futile years. He's been a, a huge fan this year. That they're, they're they're pretty good. Of course, Donovan Mitchell out of his brain, sixth best leading scorer in the NBA right now, averaging twenty-nine points a ball game. So for Christmas this year, I said, "Well, I ain't going to Cleveland." I've been to Cleveland because if I'm going to Cleveland, I'm going to the Rocker Hall of Fame. We're going to be up there for three or four days. So the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, who had won ten games in a row, is uh, hosting, of course, the Cavaliers this past Wednesday night. And Santa Claus got him a pair of tickets. Uh, They were right center court uh, in the plaza level. Uh, Santa spared no expense. And uh, we went up there Wednesday. Um, he had school the next day. I had to be on Fox Six WBRC and do the Korean Claypo show at seven o'clock the following morning. So I was doing my math. I was like, okay, this is gonna be about a four-hour drive. I said, we'll shoot up there for the game. Get out of school a early on Wednesday. We'll go up there see the game, and we'll come back. And uh, again, every time I go to a game with him, it's just an unbelievable game. Mitchell wasn't playing. John Moran's uh, it's it's filthy to watch him play on television to see him in person you swear to god i, I swear that 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 the cavaliers were ghosts he would go into the paint. There'd be four seven-foot dudes with their arms up, and he was running through them. It was the most amazing thing, and he did it over and over and over again. It was amazing. And, of course, the Memphis Grizzlies uh, win that game. Uh, Garland misses a, a late three, gets blocked. They win 115 to 114. Fireworks going off. Uh, streamers the whole nine yards, despite the fact that his basketball team didn't win. It was great to see the Memphis Grizzly fan base, obviously at a home game, really get into it. It was just a great experience. The drive home. Not so much. We drove along that line of showers, those mm-hmm. thunderstorms and tornadoes. Uh, so we traipsed in uh, to the Curry household about four o'clock. I get up at four thirty, <laughs> so I lay on the couch, watched watched some Weather Channel for a few minutes, and started my day. And I uh, got after it yesterday, but just just most recently, those two times, and, and, uh, most of it had to do with the fact that I was with my son. Yeah, uh, he loves. He's like he's like you and I. Like women don't understand how guys can invite their, their buddies over and they don't say a word to each other for eight hours and it can be the best day ever. they yeah. just sit in there watching TV, eating popcorn, drinking beer, whatever. They don't have to talk to each other. It's just being in that brotherhood and watching something that they both like at the same time. They don't have to say a word. My son's kind of the same way. We do talk during the game, but he is so intent on watching the game itself. He wants to get into sports communications. Uh, and I said, man, you need to go do some internship with the Hawks, with the blazers, without do something where you can go to these games first first of all free, but do something where you can go every single day and 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 just get your fill of it so and I don't think he'll do that, but uh those are the the most recent times uh yeah just, just um I... Uh,
2: before I get into my favorite sports memory, Christian Miller, okay, same question to you, your favorite sports memory, but it can't involve anything you did on the field um well you, you kind of just uh <laughs> Wow!
4: Wait, can you? Oh, there we go. Sorry, we, we were having some some uh, difficulties on our end. But um you kind of caught me off guard because um, I mean, my entire life I've okay. Well, I'll <laughs> play sports. I'll, so I'll be honest. You, I'll I,
2: let you go. I'll,
4: well, I'll I'm let trying you to think of a time. Too. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, everything really. Anytime I went to a sporting event, I feel like it kind of involved me. I was either on a visit, I was playing, <laughs> I was going to my brother's games. I mean, I used to enjoy going to his games, you know, growing up. If you want me to go with that, but that I don't, I wouldn't classify that as like my favorite sports memory. Um, you know, my dad, you know, he played in the National Football League, but I was too young to really remember. He retired when I was probably around four. Um, so I, I'll be honest; the only the main ones I think of it involve me. So I might have to, I might have to go with one of those if I okay. can. Okay,
2: yeah. I mean, is its is it? Is it? Uh, is it? being in the locker let's let's go on field stuff is it being in the locker room with your teammates after winning a national championship that seems like it would be the obvious answer is that correct?
4: Well I was going to just say just the national championship game in 2017 in general um, because that year was just filled with perseverance resiliency and triumph you know I earned the starting role going into that season after um, you know waiting my turn patiently here uh, then I go into the Florida State game and playing a solid game. I tear my biceps. I'm able to finish that game, but I'm, I'm uh, made aware that it's going to re- require pretty much season uh surgery after the game. Um, so that was kind of a bummer. But I was able to rehab back with the, the help of you know, you know, Dr. Kane, Dr. Kane, Jeremy Giselle, you know, Jeff Allen, everybody in that training staff. I was able to rehab back and made it back for the last few games, and we went on. I, I recorded a sack in the semifinal. And Anthony Jennings goes down, and then it's up to you know me and Terrell Lewis to kind of uh, you know finish it out in uh, the championship game against Georgia. I recorded a sack against that game. That was probably you know that felt so good just getting a sack in the championship game. But then ultimately winning, um, you know that was the second twenty six game. Um, you just couldn't write a better ending to that story. And um, I don't think I really told this, but I actually played that game with the flu. I had to get IVs mm. starting the day before. Um, Throughout the course of the day, you know, multiple IVs before the game um, literally was out there with the flu and was able to um, play through that. And and ultimately we won that game and uh, won the national championship. So that that's my greatest memory. I always will remember that. And I always cherish that because um, not only me uh, battling through so many obstacles and adversity, but the team, you know, we experienced so many injuries that year. Um, throughout the course of the defense, everybody kind of written had written us off, saying that you know, we had too many injuries. You know, they don't know how we're going to be able to compete. And you know, guys just kept stepping up. You know, Jamie Mosley, my best friend and roommate, stepped up at outside linebacker. Like so many guys had gone down, but everybody, um, when it was their turn to step up, they did a phenomenal job. And we, we it, it honestly allowed us to come together as a team and uh, be, to be able to to pull that off and win the championship game against Georgia. Um, that, that meant a lot to me. So that'd be my favorite memory. So both you and
3: Jordan had a flu game, all right? (laughs) It wasn't wasn't a
4: bad pizza? (laughs) Yeah, his his, his is probably a little more uh, well-known than mine, uh, and rightfully so. (laughs) Not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, no, I I take pride in that. Yeah, I I had to tough that one out. I couldn't sit out. I, I didn't care how sick I was, and I felt terrible. I mean, I remember the night before the game, I was thinking in my head, I'm like, how the hell am I about to play this game? But I, I do the IVs, and I feel a little bit better. Then it—it's <laughs> like the IVs start wearing off. Then I'm like, "Oh crap, here it comes." So I just had to keep pumping the fluids and ju- did just enough to be able to play. Then after the game, it kind of hit me. I remember that night after that championship game. I didn't even want to celebrate. I took my—I <laughs> took my butt straight up to my hotel room. <laughs>
2: What um, percentage do you think you were playing at, like, uh, of your physical capability, because he, because he had the flu?
4: Uh, I would say probably eighty percent, just because. I mean, you got to think. I mean, the flu. I mean, you're lethargic, you don't have energy. Then you also, I mean, you're probably dealing with some respiratory uh, struggles, just because you could probably have so much fluid built up. And man, I, I'll be honest. Once the game started, though, I kind of was in so much in the zone that I, I almost was. Forgetting that how sick I felt there just would be times where I just would feel winded or I just kind of start feeling like crap But then I just get locked back in and I just would forget about it. But again after the game it all (laughs) It all just caught up to me, but it was so worth it. It was it was definitely worth it
3: Adrenaline is a wonderful thing.
4: It is. It
2: really is. All right, we're going to talk more about this uh, on the other side of this break. Remember, you can call in and, and give us your favorite sports memory. Hey, coming up into the
3: end the set, I'm going to ask you what your your most uh, influential and amazing
2: broadcasting moment is. <laughs>
3: Since I'm a broadcaster and you're, uh, you're a sports writer.
2: Um, you can reach us at 205-342-9904. We're going to have Tim Brando at 1230. And then at 1.30, we're going to have Chris Walsh join us from Bama Central and talk all things
1: Alabama. We'll be right back. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports.
5: Left quarter three. Got it. Alabama picks up where it left off on Sunday
0: with a 3 point Beautiful job there, you know, crashing the boards. Coach tomorrow increasingly cloudy, a chance of rain by late afternoon. That rain is more likely tomorrow night, the high at 58. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 54 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
2: Back in to Big Noon Sports, again, Lars Anderson, Tony. Big Curry. Noon Sports, you want me to drive the show?
3: Go ahead. I, I, I turn it over to you. Give me, me your you. phone numbers and give me your stuff. I tell you what, next come out next break because uh, that's what I do. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not good at anything else. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> just a radio. Take, just I'm, just, take it over. I'm just a radio driver. Uh, do you get you take you get phone calls here 205-342-9904. that's three zero or 9904 um, on Big Noon Sports so make sure you give us a call and uh, what do normal people want to call about they want to talk about your books or
2: um, I asked I solicited uh, people to call in and offer their favorite sports memory because again that did, that's, that's uh, a very broad the, the, topic the, the hey. With what that. is your biggest sports moment? Because you've
3: written books about Tom, but you, you probably have a plethora. You well, could write a yeah, book, you you could know, write a book it, about your biggest sports it, it, moments. Laura's biggest sports uh, moments. I,
2: I have written about this moment before, and uh, it occurred with my father. I was seven years old mm-hmm. and uh, living in Lincoln, Nebraska, and number one Oklahoma came to town to Memorial Stadium, and my dad had season tickets. And even though I had a ticket, it was just my dad and I, he was insistent that I sneak in. <laughs> okay? okay? My dad had, had a few uh in Nebraska we call it red beers. Yep. It's tomato juice and beer. Uh-huh. And so he uh he just said, Hey, when you uh when we get to the Usher and most of the most of the ushers back then were about, you know, eighty five years old, he's just like You run like I am hip, who was Nebraska's star running back, and don't look back, and they will never catch you. And so I ended up making it through and uh, sitting with my dad, and uh, Nebraska ended up upsetting Oklahoma 17-14. to Fans rushed the field, and I'll never forget. My dad put me on his shoulders, and just sort of with tears in his eyes, he said, you know what? Sports doesn't get any better in this, and then he held my hand. He said, Life doesn't get any better in this because nice. we experienced such a profound moment together. And that ticket in the title of the story on uh, si.com that I wrote was The the Unbroken Ticket. Uh, that ticket now is framed and right above uh, uh, my, my desk at, at home, my home office. So I see that every single day, and I'm reminded of just how special that moment was. And that's the true power of sports to me, is the ability just not only to bring sort of strangers together, um, and, uh, and people from different backgrounds, but also how it can uh, bind and bound and tie you closer together with your loved ones because of, of this shared experience. And uh, all these years later, just uh, last Saturday, I took my seven year old son Lincoln to his first basketball game. nice. and uh, watched Alabama demolish LSU. And we had so much fun. And I was thinking to myself, I wonder all these years later, because Lincoln was he was seven years, he's seven years old. That's exactly how I old. I, I, that was exactly my age when I went with my dad to that game. I was thinking you know is Lincoln gonna feel the same way about this game the way that I still feel about when I was seven years old back in 1978
3: don't so. stop doing it man if you can afford to do it and obviously you have uh, some resources you know you, you talk about the the galvanization of, of, of not only loved ones coming together and I, I know some people are early into sports and then you know they, they go with their dad or their mom because they they, they they really feel it and and certainly with your son knowing your background he's got some probably some hereditary sports genes in him because mm-hmm. of what you do for a living. Yeah, to bring that to point, we went to um, – <clears throat> Santa Claus is really good to the kids. When you get divorced, Santa Claus really comes through because you obviously want to be the winning parent.
5: <laughs> uh, so, so I, I am I've, definitely I've, not the winning the parent. I pulled out all I've the stops and I got
3: my kids on Christmas Day, and so uh, Santa Claus set us up with uh, a ride on an Amtrak train, and my son's got special needs. He's 15. I to about a 7 or 8 year old about the age you're talking about and loves trains and so uh, I, we went down to the the intermodal downtown of Birmingham and I was trying to figure out a way to get on the train not, not make it too long I'd never been on a Amtrak train I don't know how dirty it was blah 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 the Greyhound stations down there so we 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 took a train to Trussville or uh, uh, Tuscaloosa and it was about an hour and 15 minutes and then you wait about an hour and then you can come right back on the train coming down from New York that's heading towards New Orleans and uh, it w- it was amazing. Uh, it was $8 to ride Amtrak up to Tuscaloosa and back. So next time you go to a football game and you don't want to spend money on gas, it's 8 bucks. It was $32 for all four of us to ride up and back from Tuscaloosa. It was the best gift. I've It was the experience, right? It was the experience. It wasn't the ticket price. It was the experience of being on the train. And there's a reason why I'm telling you the story. So we're getting back in town, we get back to the intermodal about 5.30, and of course I'm with my 18-year-old son who loves the UAB Blazers. He's like, you know, Dad, the Blazers are playing 6.30 tonight against UTSU, or SA. And I said, I said yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm Dad, I'm 56, I'm exhausted. I've been gone since 4 o'clock in the morning, it's 5.30 at night. And he goes, can we go? And, of course, my 10-year-old daughter's with us, and then I have my special needs son who's legally blind. I said, Santo, I said, I- I'd really like to just probably head to the house. And my daughter says w- we'd like to go to the basketball game, and I'm thinking, oh yeah. So all right, so I make a phone call, I call Hardikoff, and he says, I got you for it. We'll call. So we go to the game. <clears throat> it tips off at 6:30, and I am waning. I- I'm like I'm like Kirsten Miller. I'm waning. I'm, I got the flu, right? I've got I've got the <laughs> the, the, the the brutal. I'm tired. Flu. And then the adrenaline starts kicking in halfway through the game, and this was my daughter's first basketball game, and and my my special needs 15 year old's first basketball game. And, of course, I don't know exactly what he's seeing, and, and my daughter's getting tired, you know, how daughters are. You know, one minute they're all into whatever you're doing, next minute they want to leave, you know. And so we get to halftime, and they want to go home. Uh, my oldest is like, no, let's stay. And I said, i said, I tell you what, we, we committed to this, we'll stay for the game, we'll leave, you know, we'll, we'll see if it's. So you be down five with 27 seconds left. First game for my 10-year-old, first game for my 15-year-old. And I said, let's go. They're not going to win. Well, they come back, hit a three, get the ball back, hit a two, it goes overtime. Mm -hmm. So now I've been up for like 15, 16 hours, and it goes overtime. Well, to your point, the experience of that, and I looked at my daughter, I said, for your first basketball game, you're seeing classic here. This is an instant classic for UAB basketball. Well, 61-61, end of regulation. End of first overtime, 68-68. Double overtime. I'm like, okay, and and at that point, we all just really got into it. And as much as we wanted to leave an hour earlier, we were all like, this is an amazing experience because not only were we seeing a great basketball game, but we were doing it together. That galvanization of a family, and so that was a real, that was a beautiful, touching experience. And and we all just had a blast. We got home and crashed at nine thirty or ten o'clock that night or whatever. But to your point, yeah, there's something about being father son. Uh, you know, mother daughter, whatever it is. My 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 ex took my daughter to the Ukrainian ballet uh, last week, uh, and it was a great event for both of them. So, that that kind of stuff, uh, when you can enjoy those types of moments with with somebody in your family, are always some of the best, for sure. Yeah,
2: in Christian, I I did want to ask you about uh, your dad. And um, did you guys have moments just like on the basketball court, you know, playing one-on-one or uh, just anything from your childhood that that sticks out that kind of bonded you together as father and son?
4: Yeah, you know, football always was what bonded us. You know, obviously he played uh, the sport for so long. And then with me kind of following in his footsteps, that always kind of brought us together. You know, he always would, you know, come to my practices. You know, I first started playing. He was actually the the coach for my brother's football team, which was like seven and eight years old, eight-year-old eight guys. And I was, you know, four years old when I first started playing, and he was the coach. So that kind of just carried on. You know, he'd always, you know, just basically take me to events and whatnot. You know, he'd take me to, to Carolina football games, you know, since he played there, and he's in the Hall of Captains and now the Hall of Fame at the university so that was always our, our, our bonding time which was was football and then you know sometimes we would you know play a little basketball in the driveway as well but sports definitely brought us together and, and rightfully so because um they they impacted both of our lives so much
3: i think spending some time too with with your dad at that age is a lot like going on a first date uh <laughs> you know the first date you should always go to a movie right because you don't have to talk a lot you can read each other's body language you can touch each other a little bit you can hold hands you can eat each other's popcorn and drink, kind of the same and, and so there's not a whole lot so when you're when you're at an event or a game with your dad there doesn't have to be that awkward you know we just mentioned guys can sit around for eight nine hours and not say a word to each other and have the best times of their lives yep. there, there, there's not a need there to explore or discuss who made what you can go wow what a play and then bump each other a little bit high five each other there's just that compatibility of of you know, it's just a wonderful thing to be able to see those types of events. Uh, you know, There's a lot of fathers out there that aren't nearly comfortable enough with their kids they probably should be because they're either deadbeat dads, they don't see their kids as often as they like or they don't want to, which is really, really sad. So when you have that opportunity to, to say or do whatever you want and know that if you don't say anything at all, it's going to be a perfect day, that's a, that's a win-win.
2: I will say, too, at the Alabama basketball game on Saturday, I, I, I used Lincoln as a distraction. Right to get uh, to go sit in the first row. Yeah. <laughs> right, there's there's two seats Use your down kids, there. My man. Yeah, and I was like Lincoln, just act like you know what you're doing. Go right past They're the usher. They're never gonna tell you no. <laughs> and Lincoln just smiled and went. And I'm like. You, the man, Lincoln. Yep. And uh, again, just a little bonding. Get thing. better
3: seats and pick up and women at He just, parks, he, he just yeah.
2: could not believe yeah. how big those Alabama basketball players I are. I know, right? It's pretty what a show. What a great team. We'll talk Alabama basketball coming up with the always entertaining Tim Brando. We'll be right back.
1: From T Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. I wanted to know
0: why some people who get COVID-19 get it so bad. I found out it may be because they have a high risk factor, such as heart disease, diabetes, being overweight...
3: Welcome back to Big Noon Sports, our number is 205-342-9904, that's 205-342-9904, we're talking about your best sports experiences, and of course, a big hi ho and thanks to Birmingham's 95.3, 92.5, and 1260 AM right here at Crawford Broadcasting, and Tuscaloosa 100.9, the big dog up there in Aniston-Gaston at 97.5. Do want to ask uh, Tim Brando from Fox Sports, at uh, Tim Brando, who will join us here in just a few minutes. I uh, wanted to get uh, right off the sports page for a brief moment because I'm, I'm a classic rock guy and I did sports radio for for 25 years, so I do both. But uh, the loss of David Crosby last night uh, was that a moment for uh, one Lars Anderson? I mean, I know you're a classic rock guy. Uh, did that did that change anything? And I was going to ask Tim when he's good to go.
2: Yeah, Tim is up and good to go. Yeah, that, that one stings. That one yeah. hurts. But uh...
3: Tim, Tim joins us right now at Tim Brando on Twitter. Always on Twitter, uh, twenty four hours a day. I don't know how he does it. I, I've, I've tweeted him at three o'clock in the morning. He responds within five seconds, and I know it's him. Uh, he joins us right now. Tim, uh, how you been, brother? Everything good?
6: I'm
5: uh, I'm good. I'm in the middle of uh, I mean, right slap dab in the middle of an odyssey that's uh, two weeks long from coast to coast. Uh, this time last week, I was in uh, uh, L.A. getting ready for a Saturday night matchup at Pauley Pavilion. And, uh, and in just a few hours, I'll be headed over to Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena, for some Big East action between uh, a surging St. John's team and Villanova, who's trying to find itself and, uh, and not stub their toes and, and possibly miss the tournament after being the Big East uh, banner carriers in, in a lot of Final Fours recently.
3: Yeah, Nova has owned my Xavier Musketeers number now for a couple of years. I know they got him earlier this year. My Muskies lose to a DePaul squad the other night. I was like, what in the world is going on? But it just goes to show every single night. I mean, I still think it's one of the best leagues in college basketball, the Big East. Hey, before we get into some hoops and we'll talk some college yeah. football and everything else, I do want to ask you, I was talking to Lars. Uh David Crosby passed away. We're going through this uh, this moment in time right now where we lost Jeff Beck, we lost Lisa Marie Presley. We're losing uh, we lost a, a local celebrity country boy Eddie, it's just been like stop already. They come in threes. this mm-hmm. time it's coming in fours and fives. But is there one -- first of all, what's your musical preference? Second of all, is there one music icon that's still alive that if and when he or she passes away, it'll directly affect you. It'll, 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 it'll actually bring a tear to your eye.
6: Uh
5: well, there are many. There are so many because, uh, you know, my father was an entertainer as well as a broadcaster. And we had a a show band that used to tour SAC Airbases. And uh, I loved crooners. You know, I was around uh, a kid. I was a kid with a uh, musician's union card because I played the drums and was part of the act with my father. And I played in in small rooms in Vegas and as well as, uh, you know, with a little tuxedo suit on and the whole bit uh, with my dad. We we actually played in Vegas once uh, in one of the smaller rooms and the other act that was there were the Harmonic Hats, if you remember that group from way back in the Yes, 50s. wow. The guys That's... playing their harmonicas, you know. Um, so all music of all types has always been, I mean, after sports probably that is my, my passion. And as a rock and roll radio guy in college, you know, I was a music director at K Rock Radio in Shreveport in 1975, summer of '75. So, you know, as a freshman, I was I was also calling sitterary games with the former voice of LSU it was it was Sittenary with Robert Parish uh, when he was playing there, uh, Jim Hawthorne, and so I was doing on the AM side uh, sports in the summertime as well as some in the winter, uh, moonlighting though, but but I was also spinning records, you know and uh, uh so i've got a lot of love for all music crosby stills nash and young uh some of the greatest you know uh the, the greatest lyrics and and uh, uh and and songs that i think maybe we we knew of at the time but we didn't really appreciate it until we got older you know whether it was uh, stills in the buffalo springfield um you know uh, the birds, which of course David Crosby, you know, penned uh, "Turn Turn Turn." Just um, and they got together, and I know young young was sort of the guy that was indifferent, but Crosby, uh, Stills and Nash were, you know, just they were part of, of of I mean every album they made I wanted, you know, every eight track I could get my mm-hmm. hands on. So yeah, this one sings a lot, you know. Um but as far as anyone that would bring a tear, you know, I've that, that happened most of those guys that um that got together, you know, including Jeff Lynn, who I love, and ELO, that was my favorite group in seventy eight, I thought they could have been the Beatles if they stayed together longer. He was influenced a lot by John Lennon, Jeff Lynn. But um, you know, when he got together with those guys with Roy Arberson, you know, and <laughs> and uh and all those guys to make that other group that was so good, you know, and Dylan, mm-hmm. uh, I could, I could watch, but every time one of those drops off, I'm hurt. I mean, it, it really yeah. stings. You know, George Harrison was tremendous too, but um, I'd say of the ones that are out there now, uh, Tony, the one that would probably sting the most, uh, you know, worldwide would be, you um, you know, the Stones, anyone from the Stones, whether it's Richards or whether it's Ron Wood or, you know, if it's Mick Jagger, uh, and those guys are still doing it at a very, you know, high level. And I think that their music is probably the most appreciated for the longest period of time. Uh, I was never a Stones freak. I mean, I didn't I didn't have to listen to them, although the, their records were, you know, inescapable. They were all big-time hits. But... um my favorite uh, musician, I think, has been and will continue to be
3: for a long time, Jeff Lynn of, of ELO. No, he's fantastic. I mean, I'm, I'm totally with you and just um, the way he orchestrated, I think it's the right word to say,
1: yeah. the type of yeah. music.
3: And you, and you mentioned you mentioned Ron Wood. Ron Wood was nobody until, of course, he started playing with Jeff Beck, who just passed away right. within the last right. couple of weeks. And Rod, Rod Stewart, another one of those cats that played with Jeff yeah, Beck, who was Patriot. so instrumental. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah no doubt. So... so, so yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to try to make a tangent here. Uh, in college hoops right now, who is your Crosby, Stills, and Nash? Who is the three guys on one particular team, and you may have even picked Alabama, that is so harmonious that if you take one of those guys out, it totally changes the look of their team?
5: Uh, I'd have to go out out west with UCLA and tell you that the player that that absolutely ignites them uh, is is a kid named David Singleton that most people probably mm. – don't know that much about. Tiger Campbell is the 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 the, uh, the floppy to He either goes with dreads or he goes with a major afro and looks like a throwback to the Michael Warren days of 68. And by the way, did you know today was the date of the Houston-UCLA game that TVS Eddie Einhorn uh, syndicated across the globe and it was the first ever nationally televised uh, game on, on television for college basketball. It was Wow. It was the game that cracked through. That was 1968, okay? I was 12 years old, and I'll never forget watching it. And, um, you know, I was a big basketball, you know, kid. I lived across the street from a state championship guard in my high school and um, sort of idolized him. So I went to high school games all the time and then followed him through college. Uh, but, but you couldn't find college basketball on national television anywhere anytime until after Lou Alcindor in the Big E Elvin Hayes went at it on this night this very night in 1968 that's um, that's something when you think about it you know the March madness oh, yes. as we know it wouldn't have been what it, what it became without that breakthrough game. I, I submit to you Lars, that college basketball owes the 1968 game at the Astrodome in Houston the same debt of thanks that the NFL owes the Baltimore Colts to the New York football Giants in that overtime game played in 1958. It was as important to college hoops
2: yeah i i agree uh that's a good bit of history right there and just going back to the the three musicians yeah. who for me uh, that impacted me the most when they passed uh in order of sort of significance one is number one is kurt cobain died yeah. on my birthday in 1994 april 5th 1994 and, 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 and it's like you, I remember exactly where I was, what I was doing when I heard the news. Same with Chris Cornell. Mm -hmm. Same with Amy Winehouse. Those three really just uh, devastated Uh me. But, um, all right, sticking with sports. Uh, Last night, Gonzaga's uh, 76-game home-winning streak was broken by Loyola Marymount. Uh, Now Auburn has the longest current streak in the country. I think it's uh, a home-winning streak. I think it's at 28. What venue that you've been to, and you've been to basically all of them, mm-hmm. what, what school has the best home court advantage in the country right now?
5: Allen Fieldhouse in Kansas. It's, it's it's just a bigger Cameron indoor stadium. If you've never been to Allen Fieldhouse, I mean, it's Nate Smith's home. You know, it's, <laughs> it's where the game was created. And uh, I'll never forget, Lars, um, it was when Spencer Tillman first joined me uh, back at Fox. He came a year later, after I left CBS, and joined me in, in 2015. He had never been. We got a. We had to do a Kansas football game, which, which wasn't at that time, especially not necessarily a great assignment. But I said, you know what? It's not, You know, they're having Midnight Madness tonight, and the sports information director is a friend. Self is a is a really good friend. Uh, let's go. And I took. It. He had never been to Allen Fieldhouse. Okay, and he played in that league. He played in the Big Eight, and uh, he couldn't believe it. Midnight Madness at Allen Fieldhouse, and that's really where, you know, it was. It was one of these spots. You know, if you're not at Lexington or if you're not at North Carolina or Duke, you definitely want to be at Kansas. And um, this past year, when I was there for a really good assignment because Kansas football was doing well and trying to get bowl eligible. Uh, they were playing Pittsburgh State, you know, a Division three school, who had a former Kansas player who played for uh, um, uh, Bill for one year. Uh, it was coaching the, the Division three team, and uh, it was an exhibition game, first time they played on the floor, and the place was packed. I mean, packed, ah, you know, for uh, you know an early November game. It was, um, it's an unbelievable place. If you get a win. In that building, uh, that's probably the best road win you'll ever have as a player or as a coach. I think, think, and that would probably be, I I think a lot of people would say the same thing that I'm saying to you now.
3: Jim, you know, I'm going to ask you can you stick around for one more segment?
5: Yeah, I'd be happy to. No problem.
3: You're wonderful. Tim Brando from Fox Sports will join us uh, right here next, uh, right here on uh, High Noon or Big Noon. I say High Noon. <laughs> Maybe that's hey. one of my – I think
2: yeah. you were going to call it High Noon, weren't you? We were. I, that, that was uh, that was Jay's idea. Couldn't steal Jay's idea, so <laughs> we stole uh, the word big from Tim. There you go. You know? <laughs> I, we plagiarized Tim Brando. I, I,
3: I admit it. Tim, I admit it. Tim Brando back here on Big Noon Sports <laughs> next.
1: From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
3: I'm attorney Stephen Mizrano. We've all heard those lawyer ads. We're a local law firm.
0: Call me. Call me.
1: What should I do?
0: Ask to speak to the person on TV. Tomorrow increasingly cloudy. A chance of rain by late afternoon. That rain is more likely tomorrow night. The high at 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 54 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
1: There he is,
3: Jeff Lynn. One of the songs I never get tired of and can never turn off Mr. Blue Sky. We got Mr. Blue Sky on right now. Tim Brando at Tim Brando on Twitter. Uh, by the way, I was going through, we were talking about uh, classic rock and rollers. David Crosby tweeted 12 hours before he died. Don't tell me. Mm. Don't tell me Twitter's dead. He tweeted 12 hours before he passed away. Tim Brando joins us right now from Fox Sports. He is uh, making his way to Madison Square. Did Carson. he tweet he crossed... anything
2: significant?
3: No, it was a snarky uh, David Crosby kind of. If you read his his tweets, he's pretty snarky. He was he was getting pretty. Well, he's always been kind of grouchy. He was always a grouchy guy. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story, Tim. We were doing a backstage barbecue uh, with Crosby, Stills, and Nashville. We were doing a meet and greet. This is in 1993. And the uh, first thing I did is I wanted the engineer to to hear the mix of the band. I wanted to hear the band without the music to see if they actually sounded that good, and they did. And I had 20 winners, and Graham Nash came back to say hello real quick. And we we had Jim and Nick's, which is a local barbecue joint. I guess they're they're more regional now. And uh, I, I came up to see if I'd get David to come back. And, of course, David looked like David. He, he never looked different. He looked like he just got on a washing machine. He had a white T-shirt with stains on it, and you could see his belly button hanging out, and he had <laughs> shorts on. And, and so I go up, and, and he was going through the, the, the commissary, uh, the green room, uh, backstage at Oak Mountain Amphitheater, and was pitching a fit to the point where he was throwing food and uh, Jay Wilson who was with New Era at the time came over and said man just stay away from David he's having a bad night he's always having a bad night he was really pitching a fit about how bad the food was uh, backstage so I go back to our our meet and greet and I get a plate of barbecue southern hospitality And, and I'm not doing it to be nice to David I'm doing it in hopes he'll come back and say hi to my to my winners and I said Mr. Crosby and I tapped him on his shoulder he gave me this mean-ass, and I, I said, I said, I have a plate of barbecue. I heard you didn't like the food here. I hope you enjoy your dinner. And he took it from me and walked off, didn't say a word. 30 minutes later, he comes walking back looking for Tony Curry. He's like, is this Tony Curry back guy back here? He goes, man, I'm so sorry. He's like, I, have to, I have to have my carbs. I have to have my protein. Where, your, where are your winners? He <laughs> spent 45 minutes with him out there. So it was a great moment for, from David Crosby. Hey, uh, we, we've been talking all kinds of uh, crazy things, and we'll talk about hoops again here in a second, Tim. But I, I do want to ask you, I'm sitting here at Crawford Broadcasting. It's the first time I've been in this building. Uh, we're on WIDE. Right down the street uh, or down the hallway is WDJC, which is a, a, a Christian gospel station. A good friend of mine, Justin Brown, works there so I'm I'm doing a two-for-one today. Um, But the studio, and I mean this in the most complimentary way, I feel like I'm back at WKRP in Cincinnati. The studio (laughs) studio has not been touched since 1972. I'm telling you, it smells like 1972. It feels like 1972. It is 1972. I'm having a a flashback. I feel like I'm 17 years old, and I absolutely love it. It's great. So I want to know, what's the best and worst broadcast booths you worked at in your life, you're going to Madison Square Garden. I know some places really take care of their broadcasters. Some will put okay. you in a closet and tell you to have a good night. What What's your best broadcasting booth and your worst broadcasting booth?
5: Gosh, there there are a lot of really good ones now um, that that uh, because they've been renovated, you know. But a lot of places, as you know, the broadcast booths are the last thing that they actually hmm. renovate because they're going to take care of the uh, of the donors first. You know, and one of the things that's happened in the National Football League is they put their radio people, their radio people are off the 50 yard line, they're not near network television, and they put them up in the nosebleeds in the corner. For instance, the New Orleans Saints radio broadcast team is, you know, in the left hand corner of the, of the upper deck of the Superdome, and they have to call the game off the, the monitor. I'd say of all the football stadiums I worked in, the one that was most overrated was Notre Dame Stadium. Now that they they, yeah. they have repaired it since 1990, but uh, the greatest one now, without question, is uh, for me anyway in uh, Michigan at the Big House. They've got a beautiful facility there. Let's that. Up. There you
3: go.
2: Tim, we got to fly, man. One quick question. Timmy, did you have any travel issues getting up to New York? I know uh, that that there's still problems at airports across the country.
5: I did not. I did not. May I say one quick thing before I leave? Brandon Miller is is the best player, the best freshman in college basketball, without a doubt. There you go. No one close.
3: Great way to leave the show. Tim, thank you so much. We are just talking about how gracious uh, you are and, and how grateful we are to have you on every single week. Thank you so much. Have yourself a great uh, great day.
5: Thanks, fellas. Anytime.
3: Thanks, right. Timmy. Tim Brando joins us right here on the Big Moon Sports. Your phone call is 205-342-9904. We'll take a short break.
0: Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today by now you know that sound it's the sound of the home depot but what about those sounds those are the sounds of an lg wash tower with ultra large
1: welcome back to big noon sports with lars anderson matt Coulter, and christian miller
3: Welcome back to Big Noon Sports. Uh, our phone lines are always open up for you. We'd love—I'd love to hear a phone call. I was just talking to your your programming staff in there, your PD, and of course your your your. After you ripped the station here, <laughs> I did not rip the station. I just said to Tim Brando. First of all, I was looking for a tangent to ask him because I, I, I've been. You ever been to Rickwood Field? Yes. You ever see where they have to broadcast from? Now Rickwood Field's much smaller, but it is a, an absolute hole. I mean, it is. Uh, it, a lot of booths in college football say, aren't air conditioned. You're, you're calling games in August, September. They're not air, the whole place is the, all the suites, and like he says, they're going to take care of the boosters first. No, but I, so I came in here, and I, I swear, because I was on Beale Street on Wednesday night, I don't drink anymore. I was on Beale Street, which is really strange, being on Beale Street when you don't drink. And, and everyone and their mother was coming up and asking me for cash, and I just told them I don't drink, and they left me alone because I knew I drunk. But to come back in the studio, it's the first time I've been in a radio studio, probably in five years, and this place reminds me of being back in the 70s, and I mean that in the most complimentary, romantic way, and so your, your PD was like, come in here and look at my brand new board, and I was like, wow, that's, that's the lights are beautiful. That's wonderful. But it's no, I, the,
2: WKRP got me thinking. Like, my favorite episode... Of all time, oh the humanity!
6: <laughs> <laughs> oh the
2: humanity! <laughs> yes, uh, when uh, the the turkeys were thrown, oh, the were were <laughs> thrown out of oh, the dude. helicopter, and then uh, Norm Carlson <laughs> said, "As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly."
3: <laughs> and, and, and whoever did, I mean, there is a Herb Tarlick in every single business. The the uh, Annie Summers who did the PD was with a perfect PD. Yeah. So
2: were you a Lonnie Anderson or Bailey Quarters?
3: Uh, I I. I was I was the dating Bailey. I was trying to get the Lonnie It, 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 was, it was the Ginger Marianne, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, the, the receptionist always looked like that. She had the doorbell that sounded like that. But uh, it was so spot on, and before its time. And then when it came back in syndication, it was it was unbelievable. So, but I, I was because I, I, was, I, I love radio, and I was asking your guys in there. You know, it, it's a shame we don't have radio stations that that have personalities 24 hours a day anymore. I, I can't. There's not one. Even news talk stations where the news cycle is constant. Yeah. It's all syndicated. There's nobody sitting in the station. You call a radio station. I promise you right now, you call us right now, 205-342-9904. We will pick up the phone. You're not going to have to go? You're and, not gonna, yeah, you're not, we,
2: you, you ask, and yeah. they have delivered. Good. Franny. Franny is with us. Franny, how are you doing today?
6: I'm good, sir. How are you?
2: Great. We're doing wonderful. How are
6: you? All right. I'm my favorite. Hey, what's going on? With me? My favorite sports memory, I was in the end zone in 1985 when Van Tiffen hit the field goal to beat Auburn because I have cerebral palsy, and as you know, the ramp is for disabled people right behind the end zone, at least it was back in those days, and the ball landed right to the right of us. It was great.
2: That's an awesome story. I love that. I love that. So you were just, uh, you were right there. You were right there in one of the greatest moments in Alabama history.
6: Yeah, but I want to say something to Tony, too. I'd like to thank, I'm from Orchard Park, which is where the Buffalo Bills play, and I would like to thank Tony for all the Cincinnati fans. There was so such a class
3: act through what happened to Demar thank you well I well, I, I wish I could take uh, take credit for that but uh, you know Buffalo Bills fans are known around the world as the most giving fan base they've done so many different things for so many different organizations and, and fundraisings for for other individuals and they're known for that and so for that to be happening uh, for the Cincinnati mm-hmm. fan base to actually give back and we've certainly saw Demar Hamlin's uh, GoFundMe page got I don't know what it is 12 or 13 million dollars and he's trying to raise 2500 but uh, a wonderful story and I, I, I listen this is a perfect situation because this is going to be Bills Bengals part 2 uh, I can't wait to see DeMar and T. Higgins, who, by the way, celebrated a birthday earlier this week. He turned 24. To see them, uh, I'm sure they'll be hugging, meeting in the middle of the field at Is some DeMar point.
2: Gonna, um, I don't know if DeMar's going to be at the okay. game. Uh, I, I he, mean, will, he will be at the game.
3: He's been in the facility every day this week, okay. um, and, and he will be there. Uh, it, it's funny because you know, Bengals fans were starved for anything. Uh, we've been to three Super Bowls, we've lost all three. If we have to play San Francisco again and lose again, I I don't think I'd want to see a 49er again in my life. But to see uh, the opportunity for them to go play one of the best in the Buffalo Bills, uh, their five-point dawn this weekend, uh, is going to be just a wonderful game. And I'm super excited about the fact that they're actually going to have those two teams play again uh, with what will with
2: tomorrow. Christian, can you you break down that game for us? I know we've done it a couple times this week, but let's – Let's start by uh, uh, looking at the NFL playoffs. It's uh, it, Again, this is my favorite weekend of NFL football of the whole year because we are going to have four great games. And let's start with that Cincinnati-Bills um, game and just uh, w- what you think are going to be uh, some keys, maybe a, a player who will be an X-factor.
4: Well, I think it's going to be a big battle between both quarterbacks. You know, you got Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, two great young quarterbacks who have been playing phenomenally. And uh, I, I think both of those guys should, you know, have big games, but I think it's going to be big for the defenses to step up. You know, the 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 Bills defense, uh, you know, they have their hands full with T. Higgins and uh, Jamar Chase and those guys, uh, those weapons that Joe Burrow has. And. You, know, you got Joe Mix in the backfield, who, who is a very dynamic running back, a three-down type running back who can you know, run the ball very effectively but also is a threat out of the backfield. Um, so I think the defenses will be um, you know, very important in these games going against these, these very um, talented young quarterbacks. So it's going to be tough for Cincinnati. You know They're going to Orchard Park. They're traveling up to Buffalo. And so Buffalo's going to have that home field advantage. And then uh, obviously the last time these teams saw each other, Um, There was the unfortunate injury to DeMar Hamlin. So I think it's going to be a a very emotional game uh, initially, and and I'm sure the Buffalo Bills are definitely going to be um, very motivated and very passionate about this game. Um, I'm sure they want nothing more than to go out there and win for DeMar Hamlin, and um, obviously the Bengals want to win this game as well too because they they want to get back to that Super Bowl. You know, they they were in the Super Bowl, and they came up short, just short, against Los Angeles. looked like they almost had that game won, um, but they, they unfortunately didn't. So I'm sure those guys are very hungry as well. So I'm expecting a big matchup. And uh, uh, if, uh, if I had to get a, give a pick, I, I'm leaning towards Buffalo uh, just because I know how, um, how vital home field advantage can be. And uh, I think that's definitely going to work out in their favor. Uh, but I, I'm excited for this matchup.
3: Christian, we certainly saw uh, what a great O-line can do for Joe Burrow last year, obviously, during the playoffs. uh, They give up 10 sacks. I don't know how they won that game against the Tennessee Titans, a game I alluded to earlier. Uh, Earlier this season, they gave up 14 sacks their first three games, but they have replaced four of their guys to bring Kappa. They bring some free agents in. And it took them just a matter of time, a matter of weeks, before they all started working fluidly together. Then they give up 14 sacks of the next 12 games, which was third best in the National Football League. And then what happens? They start going down week by week. They've lost three of their offensive linemen. Can you just talk about how important it is? I don't know how much quicker Joe can get the ball out. I don't know if he can. But, man, when he's got times to pick, he's grinning big time. What's it going to be like for the Cincinnati Bengals and their O-line this weekend against a pretty formidable Buffalo defense?
4: Well, it's going to be tough, and that's a great question. You know, uh, most numbers, Notably, you know, Jonah Williams, our starting left tackle, had just gone down. I think he might be their most recent injury. And and your left tackle is is vital. You know, he's crucial. Um, to protecting your quarterback because, again, a majority of quarterbacks in the NFL are right-handed. So your left tackle is the one protecting the blind side of the quarterback. And to have your starting left tackle go down, that's a huge blow um, for already um, hindered offensive line in Cincinnati. So it's going to be a big challenge for them to be able to keep Joe Burrow clean. And, and when you have a, a struggling offensive line, um, you start having to implementing things like you know, keeping uh, tight ends in protection uh, to help out, help chip defensive ends, which they'll probably do because you have effective Pass rushers than Sam Hubbard, um, or excuse me, on the he's on the Bengals, but on the the Bill side of the ball, you, you're missing Von Miller, but you got guys like Basham and um, guys stepping up um, who are effective in their pass rush. So you'll have to bring guys in like your tight ends and your running backs and and keep them in protection to help your offensive line out, which then uh, leaves you a little you know vulnerable in the passing game because you don't have as many guys you know um, as receiving targets. So um, that's definitely something to watch out for. Um, because, again, the the Bills' pass rush hasn't been the same um, since Von Miller's left, but they've been quite effective, and um, I I definitely think it's going to be something to look out for because when you're down three starters on the offensive line, you're in a very vulnerable position, and it's very hard for your quarterback uh, to do his job when he's facing constant pressure.
2: Okay, Tony. uh, There's growing sentiment among national writers, and I've been talking about this, the NFL – Absolutely shafted the Bengals. Agreed. Shafted the Bengals. This should be a neutral site game this weekend. This should be a neutral site game because look, they the league addressed uh, the Baltimore Ravens' potential loss of a division title with the, that coin flip provision, and they addressed the Bills' potential loss of a number one seed by saying, okay, if they meet up with Kansas City in the uh, AFC Championship game, That's it's going to be played in neutral site. Yep. But what about the Bengals and the potential loss of the number two seed, which they would have gotten? Had they beaten at, the Buffalo Bills. Had they beaten the B- Buffalo Bills, and then they're the up game. 7 3, about ready to go 14 yep. 3. Is there a coin flip? No. Is there a neutral site? No. Just go to Buffalo. I yeah, mean, the, the, the logic that they applied to the Ravens and to the Bills and to the Chiefs. Somehow it didn't apply to the Bengals. No, they should have gotten at least a draft pick out of it. I'm
3: just, I'm just telling you, if you're going to have a neutral site game between the Bills and Kansas City next weekend, why in the world would you not have a neutral site game? And don't it, tell me you don't have a place to play. Everything's empty. You can play wherever you want. Play the game
2: in Nashville.
3: Uh, go wherever you want to go. Uh, I, I totally agree with you. I, I will say this, though. I think it's going to play in the Bengals' advantage to play in Orchard Park. They've they have been unbelievable. They're really, they, actually, be- been, they're better on the road. They are better on the road. <laughs> I, they were better on the road this year than they were yeah. at home. And yeah. and I love the fact that they're a dog uh, without the loss of the three zero. I mean, I I think maybe it'd be a three yeah. point ball game. And actually,
2: yeah, th- I I want to put that question to Chris. I agree with you, but but I but I'm kind of happy but, to be but, on the road. Why is it, it like? It, it, and and Tony and I, you know, full disclosure, we are two of the biggest Bengal fans in Birmingham. Yes. There's no question about it. But why do you think the Bengals have played so well on the road, especially this year? And then last year, they win at Tennessee in the playoffs. They beat the number one seed going to Kansas City. Very difficult place to play. They're down 18 in the AFC Championship game, and they come back and beat Patrick Mahomes. What, what is it about being on the road not maybe just specifically to Cincinnati, because I, I know you're not inside the locker room or anything. But why do you, why do you think the Bengals have done so well uh, away from home?
4: You know, that's tough to say, Lars, because, uh, again, typically teams uh, tend to struggle when they travel and go on the road. you, you got factors involved, like crowd noise. You know, when, it's, when an offense is on the road... You know, on third down, that that stadium is rocking. It's loud. You know, quarterbacks are having a hard time making their checks and adjustments because their their receivers and their running backs and their offensive line is is hard for them to hear. It's slowing them down. They're risking getting delay of game penalties, and they're having to uh, be forced to call timeout. So typically, that's what you see when a team travels and plays on the road. But for a team to to excel on the road. Sometimes guys like embracing that, that villain role. I know that was something for me that I always embraced. I almost, I always say this, I almost enjoyed playing on the road more than at home. There's no disrespect to Bryant-Denny. I enjoy Bryant-Denny, but I almost kind of like that that villain factor of when we go on the road, like we're demanding the respect of the stadium. And even if they're booing us when we first come out by the third quarter, I loved knowing that we silenced that crowd. It 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 motivated me. It fueled me to, to get a sack and shut that crowd up. I love that feeling. So for me, I like playing on the road. Now I don't, I don't know how as a team, you know, they're so effective at playing on the road because typically you do struggle. But um, like I said, I guess it's all about mindset and and being able to control what you can control and uh, making the most of it. Like I said, if you're well prepared for that crowd and crowd noise and you're going into it already prepared for those, those, those difficult circumstances, then, Use the rest of it as motivation to say, "Hey, we want it. We want to go take over your house. We want to, This is our house now." That—that's at least how, as a defender, I used to look at it.
3: All right, uh, you want to take a short break? I got another segment to go. Uh, it's been a fantastic show. Tim Brando joined us not for one, but for two segments. Uh, you get a chance to be checking anything out. Uh, it was fantastic. Chris
2: Walls from Bama Central going to join us at 1.30. Okay, there you go.
3: Perfect. Uh, Check us out. We'll take a phone call. It's 205-342-9904. And we do answer our phones here at Big Noon Sports. We took a phone call a few minutes ago. That was a great story, by the way. That was. I love it. That's uh, one of the situations where you take uh, something that has happened horribly in your life, and our thoughts continue to go out to that uh, wonderful uh, listener, and it turned out to be a beautiful sports moment for him. So we'll be back in just a minute. Again, uh, 205-342-9904. You can hear us. All over the place. Birmingham 95.3, 92.5, 1260 AM right here in Birmingham I'm from Crawford, of course Tuscaloosa, 1.9, Aniston Gaston at 97.5.
0: more big noon sports coming up has the pandemic affected your business even with more and more customers going online in the past five years online business has grown greatly due to the pandemic now more than ever it's important tomorrow, increasingly cloudy a chance of rain by late afternoon that rain is more likely tomorrow night the high at 58 i'm james fan on the abc 3340 weather center on tide 100.9 it's 57 degrees in tuscaloosa
3: Back to news Sports. Okay. We're good? We're on? We're rolling? We're here? Lars
2: Anderson, Christian Miller, and Tony
3: Curry, of course, uh, just stopping in for a couple hours. I know... Uh,
2: thanks for coming in, Tony. Uh, Matt thanks Col- for having Matt Coulter's taking the day off. He and his lovely lovely wife, Karen, going to enjoy his little r uh, 10th anniversary. R&R. They're listening to the show. I can't believe they've been married 10 years. seems like uh, yesterday that I didn't go to the wedding. But... Uh, <laughs> Ten years is, uh, there
3: are two people that I, I genuinely love both. I knew, actually, I knew Matt just before
2: I knew Karen. It's kind of like... Uh, did you know them independent of one another? I did.
3: I didn't even know, they, they, well, they didn't know each other until, I guess they knew each other, obviously, before they got married. Um, but I knew Karen really, really well. I knew Matt really, really well. And then two of my really, really well friends ended up getting married. It was, it was super cool. And they're a great couple for each other. Karen, Karen is just awesome. Love she's, her to death. She's the best. And so is Matt. Indeed, I always uh, say uh, the other side too because I know a lot of people looked at my wife when I was married and said, "You're a saint <laughs> for being with me," and I'm like, you know, uh, and she was, um, uh, but but you know, I'm like, you know, uh, uh,
2: emphasis you on know, was,
3: <laughs> well, you know, until about five or six years ago, uh, and I'd always, ah, <laughs> ah, yeah, yes, she's a saint, and I'm like, well, she married me, yeah, she must have seen something good in there, and she got everything I got, so literally <laughs> all
2: right yep. on the happier things yes. like uh not getting 13 million dollars yeah um <laughs> Did I, you want to talk about that
3: yeah i talked to uh mark ingram yesterday um who is not an nil a fan it's mark the, is uh, the athletic director for uab and uh we talked about uh gators collective these i, I asked him i said and you can podcast or go to Tony Curry Radio Podcast. It's Curry with a K or TKR Podcast. We got over a thousand podcasts, and it's one of the most listened to shows because Blazer Nation is so avid. Um, we'll have Trent Dofer on next week. By the way, he's going to join us on the show. Um, but Mark, I, I, you know, I talk to coaches, we talk exes and O's. I love talking to the athletic because they can pull the curtain back on what's really happening in, in, in college football. And they just had, of course, the NCAA meetings, and, and uh, we know that uh, Emert just got booted out, and they brought another guy in, and they're not going to change anything, and they're, 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 they're thriving, but they're perilous, is what they said. The NCAA's in a lot of trouble. Anyway, um, so I was asking about this NIL deal, and I said, well, where do these collectives... Let, let, let's, let's tell people what, what it is. You can't be paid to play. Okay, that, That's illegal. I can't pay you millions of dollars to come be my quarterback at my school like this four-star cat out of Pittsburgh, but I can pay you for your name, image, and likeness. It's it's a total big uh, loophole. Uh, we know what we're dealing with here. It's a it's a wink and a nod. Uh, it's a tongue firmly planted in the cheek move, and so they had to create these uh, these these corporations or these non-for-profit collectives that go out, hit up the boosters bring all this money in, and then they have this money much like Texas Tech, where they're giving each player $25,000. Every scholarship player in Texas Tech next year will get $25,000 if you sign up with Texas Tech Raider football. Not to play, but the NIL, which is like, okay. yeah, Because we don't even know who these kids are. Every kid, if you're on scholarship, and you're a one star out of Tupelo, you're getting twenty five grand if you make scholarship, right? So I said who's creating these things and are there more than one he's like as far as i don't know i know i said Because someone flipped the light switch overnight. There were four guys sitting around drinking Budweiser beer at Buffalo Wild Wings going, okay, uh, we got to figure out a way not to pay players but come up with enough money. Can you pull your money together with my money? We'll create this thing called a collective. And that's what the Gator Collective was where they had an NIA deal which was roughly worth four years, $13 million. There's NFL pros not making four-year, $13 million contracts. As a matter of fact, the majority of them are not. Yeah. Uh, and it fell through i don 't know where it fell through, and now Rashad of course is 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 threatening to sue uh this collective uh, because he wanted that deal, and now he realizes he 's probably not going to get that deal with any other organization out there to have. What really bothers me is he wants the letter of intent to obviously uh, be dismissed, and it has been uh the gator uh, they, they just, released they, him, they released him, they let him go. Uh, It's much like a woman. If you don't want to be with me, go. I'm not going to fight for you. If you don't want to be with me, then I'm not going to fight for you. Uh, So I think the Gators did the right thing. It certainly doesn't paint the Gator nation in a a good light. It doesn't paint Billy Napier in a good light because he's losing a four-star quarterback, and evidently this kid was was pretty good. Um, But we're we're shocked and surprised that it's got to this point. Um, For a lot of people like myself, I figured you know, Bryce Young did it right. Um, you know, and, and when we when we said he was making a million dollars, we we're like, what? A million dollars? And now you got a four star kid that's never taken a snap in college football making thirteen million dollars for four years. Uh, that is a huge risk. Um, Bryce did it right. You know, he came in; there was no nil deal. He won a Heisman Trophy. He won a national. I mean, he did everything right, and then he ends up getting paid. And that's how it's supposed to work. And we knew we knew it wasn't going to work that way. So I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, You know, Mark said it best. He's like, I do not want to get politics involved in this because politicians don't have a stinking clue what they're talking about when it comes to college football. They don't. Uh, All they do is pass laws to protect the student-athlete, to protect the universities, to protect these collective bases, and it's going to get super ugly, super messy, and super expensive to do that. But it's gotten to the point now where every university, including UAB, and if you go to a UAB basketball game, you will see a a a a code that if you want to give to UAB collective i think it's called uh survive the south side collective or something about the south side collective if you want to give money to this collective it's like it's, it's like the FTX i don't even know who I'm giving money to what am i getting in return Tommy, for that Tommy
2: Tuberville is on the case of drafting some legislation so that should all make us feel a l- <laughs> cool. lot better
3: yeah but It'll... if you want if you want to get your star <laughs> players you want to get the best players you're going to have to come up with some money to bring them in, and and so you have fan bases now. Uh, instead of PSLs, they're having to donate money to these collectives, where you don't know your money's being spent, where it's going, or how much is getting going to who, um, in order to bring in your best football teams. And it's just it's gotten out of control. The Wild Wild West. Uh, I, it's I, beyond I, the Wild Wild West. It's 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 in the Pacific Ocean. I uh,
2: I confess I, I have no idea how these collectives work. Uh, Christian, do you? Do you have a sense of, of how uh, the, just the, the actual dynamics of these collectives operate?
4: Uh, I know a little bit. I mean, basically, it's where the boosters in these programs at these universities, they, they come together, and they, they're forming um, basically like a fund that creates opportunities for the athletes to be able to make money based off their name, image, and likeness. And like Tony was alluding to, They can't necessarily say it's, you know, uh, pay for play, even though it kind of is like that, basically, because it allows it allows equality throughout a team. So basically, it allows everybody on the team to make like a set number. Right. So like he just was saying, I think, was it Texas Tech, Tony? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So Mm -hmm. like twenty five thousand. It allows everybody at least receive some type of compensation, and then they can, um, you know, exceed that further by by signing more deals on their own. But at least they have like a base that way. Everybody's making something because obviously the, you don't have a team full of Bryce Youngs who are going to be valued at over you know three million dollars. So that's basically what's so the for fund that. Is. Let's
2: just, so at Texas Tech, for example, uh, you are the third string uh, right guard and you're getting paid 25,000 a year for your name, image and likeness. What do you have to do to receive that 25,000? Do you de- do you make one appearance and that's worth $25,000? Do you actually have to do something? <laughs> well, do you know what I'm well, saying? As long I,
3: as your face is in the program, I was you can about use it. If I, if I, I to,
4: if I had to guess, it just it's almost like giving you giving the school or whoever maybe the rights to use your name and image and likeness in programs and flyers. Maybe, you know, I see guys uh, here at Alabama, they'll do, like, signings at their new store, the the store they open in the stadium. I'm not sure how it works if they're paying them on top of that collective fund, but maybe it's like, hey, since you are part of this collective fund, if we ask you to do a signing here or there, um, you know, will you be gracious with your time to do that? I think little things like that, you might look at stuff like, again, maybe sales of T-shirts, maybe like if they want to use your – your your name on a t-shirt. I think it's almost maybe the signing rights. I don't think everybody's obligated to do all these things. Like I don't think they're going to ask the third string long snapper to go do a signing on Saturday. You know, so I, I think it just it's just a way to give everybody equal compensation because again, unfortunately not everybody's going to be valued at over a million dollars. And um, that's just the best way that they can do it. And I'm all with Tony on the fact that I'm all for it. In terms of you know once guys are in a program and um, they're they're you know making money through their actions on the field or what they're doing in, in the community the relationships they're forming I'm, I'm all for that but what I'm against is using it as a recruiting tool um, to coerce guys to to come play for a school or to lure them away from a program I, I don't think that's fair I think that's what needs to be cleaned up
3: and unfortunately the people that should know better are the ones that are running this whole mess and that is their parents And the adults around these 17, 18, 19-year-old kids are like, you're a four-star kid. You're not going anywhere, honey, unless you're making $13 million over the next four years. And we (laughs) saw how that went down. Hey, Chris, it's been a pleasure being on with you, man. i got to fly. Enjoy your next interview, man. We'll come back and see you soon, okay?
2: You're great, Tony. Thank you, brother. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming in and uh, always welcome, my friend.
3: Hopefully there won't be any more dead rockers between now and the next time I come in.
2: Didn't you tell me that, uh, you said this recently, that we are uh, entering, entering a time when a lot of rock and roll stars, unfortunately, will be passing?
3: Yeah, I mean, we could lose a rock and roller every week now for the next five years, and we won't run out. Roger Daltrey, Paul McCartney's, Brando mentioned Ron Wood, Keith Richards, Mick Jagger, James Taylor. I could go on and on and on. There's hun- I mean, I'm talking big names. We're not talking Christine McVee was a small name. She was a B name. She's an A in my book because I know what she did for Fleetwood Mac, but she'd be considered a B. We forgot about her the next day. David Crosby, we'll forget about him by this weekend. And he was iconic. He was huge. He's one of only 26 guys to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice. Twice. Not once. Twice. Yeah. I mean, George Burns has got three Hall of Fame stars out there in Hollywood. It was George Flippin' Burns. He was in the industry for 75 years. So, I mean, yeah, we're, we're flexing to lose. And that's one of the reasons I started Tony Curry Radio. TKR, get the TKR app. We play classic rock whenever. Yeah, one of you? Guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, check it out. And and uh, our podcasts are just blowing up. Our podcasts are great. Tony Curry Radio Podcast Network, uh, we're available on every major indice. So just look for Tony Curry Radio Podcast. It's Curry with K K U R R E. And uh, we've got 13 quickly. We're going to have 16 shows by February.
2: So some great stuff. Check it out. Awesome. Thank you, Tony. I love you. Go Bengals. I right. love you too, bro. Go Bengals. Go Bengals. Hootay. day? Hootay, 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 All right, we're going to be right back with uh, Chris Walsh from BamaCentral.com.
1: This is Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, and
0: Christian. If you like burritos, which you do because everyone does, you should try Taco Bell's Chipotle Ranch and Salsa Ferde Grilled Chicken Burritos. These masterpieces start with a warm flour tortilla that we stuff with grilled chicken. But the re-
2: Big Bean sports. Happy Friday, everybody. It's going to be a great weekend. Uh, NFL football, college hoops. I'm going to be spending some time with my kiddos. I get to take them. uh, I have the honor of taking them to a birthday party, all three of them, my five, five, and seven-year-old. There's nothing like uh, (laughs) me. Nothing like being the oldest dad at a kid's birthday party by about fifteen years. But our, our next guest is he he'll he'll know something about that. Uh he uh is like me in that uh he waited till a little bit later on in life to have kids. Nothing wrong with that. I always thought I was outsmarting my friends who were uh popping out kids in their uh twenties. Now suddenly uh I'm I'm the I'm the old guy who um is like the tired dad all the time. Oh <laughs> uh, no, but it's uh, it's 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 the greatest blessing in the world to be a father and the most important job uh, I'll ever have. Uh, as we're working on uh, getting Chris up and ready, uh, Christian, uh, we we were going through uh, some of the playoff games and um, I wanted to ask you about uh, the the first game on Saturday. It's uh, three thirty locally here. And that's the Jaguars and the Chiefs. And the spread is, uh, what I'm seeing is, uh, is, um, is the Chiefs by about 10. And, uh, well, before we get to that, Chris Walsh is now with us. Chris, I was just uh, explaining to our, our listeners that uh, I'm going to be taking my three little ones to a, a birthday party. And I'm going to be the oldest dad there by, you know, 15 years or so. Um I, do you look forward to those days when uh you're you're taking your little ones to uh <laughs> to little uh soirees?
7: Oh, I've done that. It's 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 no big deal. You know, it's uh, <clears throat> the hard part with those things is when I you know, my kids are are two and five. They go to a birthday party, I mean my head's on a swivel. I gotta watch, you know, where's the other one? You know, where's where's everyone going and uh, three. That's to me. That's the much bigger challenge. Is trying to keep up three.
2: Yes, it is. It always is. Um, okay, so let's 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 talk Alabama basketball first. Uh, a very emotional week. Can you just kind of sum up uh, how you have covered everything, what you have learned? You know, I was on campus yesterday, and man, there's uh, there's so many rumors floating around about what happened, what didn't happen, and and I, I I just I told all of my students, hey, just just be careful about what you tweet out and what you don't. Don't don't tweet anything unless you you have it triple verified uh how difficult a story has this been for you to cover
7: yeah it's uh it's well it's a terrible story to, to, to try to cover um and you know obviously we wish we didn't have to um for me though I found out i got a message um i was actually with, with my kids on a playground and um I was kinda looking for an excuse to get out of there anyways. And but when I got that it was like we gotta go, you know, and um ran back to the house and started we started piecing together uh what we knew and, and um what we could verify and, and so forth and um you're you're right in the in the respect. I mean it's a topic of discussion on campus obviously and everybody wants to talk about it. Um and we do know some things that we haven't published, and it's just you know, primarily because um, you know it's whether or not you know it's it's kind of stuff that we think we almost you know we we're, we know it's true, but it's it's we want to have it a little bit more on the confirmed side kind of thing, and you, like you said, you don't mess around with stuff like this. Um, it's when you have the facts straight that's when you when you you move forward, and. You have to be very careful with everything that you word and, and and how you present. it.
4: Chris, regarding Alabama basketball, they showed great poise and, and perseverance to go to Van, the Vanderbilt and um, you know play play a, a solid game uh, after dealing with what they've been dealing with. Um, but I want to ask you about you know them taking on Missouri, a place where they've struggled in the past. What are your thoughts on that game coming up?
7: Yeah, and okay, like I I want to be very careful on how I say this because I don't want to imply that there's something good that happened out of the shooting. But um this is the kind of thing, you know, we see it over and over before tragedy happens, teams rally. And the fact that this team is on the on the road this week I think is really going to help help this team. Um because they're 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 really leaning on each other. They're relying on each other. They're going to be getting closer. Um, in a very strange way, that's that's a plus, I think, um, because the attention this team is beginning to get. I mean, I we had an article this morning, is this the best team in college basketball right now? And statistically, you look at the numbers, and who's doing what, and, and, you know, the other top teams are struggling a little bit. You know, like Kansas lost Kansas State this week. Purdue last week beat Michigan State by one point. Uh, and you see Alabama go out, and they win by double digits, like, every single game. Um, and the Crimson Titans about to get a player back, too, from injury. And from In that respect, I mean... This is an historic season for Alabama in, in basketball. This is you know Alabama's never had a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, and this team is on pace to do that. Now, granted, we've got 50 days to go uh, between now and you know between now and Selection Sunday, um, and a lot can still happen. But um, this team has been getting better and better and better as they've been going and when they you know like that LSU game with like that was the first time we've seen what what could happen like when the shots are really falling kind of thing they won by 40 um it's geez, it's they're fun to watch they're really good i mean everything is before them it's just how are they going to handle this is is now the big question mark obviously <laughs>
2: So we knew Brandon Miller was going to be a special player uh, coming in. And uh, I think he was the 24th overall number re- recruit in the country by a couple different uh, recruiting sites. But now he's looking like, you know, he could be uh, the. <laughs> You know, best freshman in the country. That's what Tim Brando just labeled labeled him. But uh, we're talking player of the year type of stuff, especially going for 33 against LSU, 30 against Vandy, and it just looks so effortless. Um, Are you surprised by his just rapid development, and is it too early to put him in the discussion of – and I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment here, but is it too early to put him in the discussion of could he become the greatest Alabama player in the history of the program?
7: No, I, I think you have to start thinking along that, those lines because he's, he's been that good and uh, he's been outstanding. I, it's, you know, I, I knew he was going to be good. I don't think anybody quite knew he was going to be this good. Um, and the supporting cast that he has has been terrific. Um, but you don't seem to have guys getting totally upset because they're, you know, they're playing with this guy, which is awesome. You know, that that's what you want. That's what you you need to see. Um, it's, it's a total team in that respect. And, and you don't, you know, a lot of times you don't see that, unfortunately, but yeah, I mean, this, this guy's going to be third, fourth pick in the draft, probably the way it's looking right now. And he's looking, like I said before, it's, it's, uh, this team is getting better as they're going along, but he's he's getting better as he goes along. As he figures things out. Um, I, you know, a couple games ago, he had a night where his, his shot wasn't fi- falling for most of the night, but he was still contributing in other ways. and And Alabama won, and and that's what you really need to see. He shows poise um, from beyond being a freshman, which is terrific. And I mean, we forget how many freshmen there are on this team. I mean, there's so many of them. And then so many of them are, are key contributors uh it's it's really been fun to watch i mean it's it, you know this whole thing with the shooting has been such a downer um and and it just i really really hope they can get past it i want to see what this team can do when things are really clicking
4: i agree chris do you think you can stay on for one more segment real quick yeah sure perfect we'll be right back for a quick break <laughs>
1: This is the Big Noon Sports
0: Network. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 129 app today. I had a nighttime routine for my frequent heartburn. I would drink milk. I would sleep upright with more pillows. But that painful burning stayed. So I made Prilosec OTC part Tomorrow increasingly cloudy A chance of rain by late afternoon That rain is more likely tomorrow night The high at 58 I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center On Tide 100.9 It's 57 degrees in Tuscaloosa
4: Welcome back to the show, Big Noon Sports. Christian Miller here, joined with Lars Anderson, as well as Chris Walsh, talking a little bit of Alabama hoops. Back to your point, you just were were talking about how young this team is, Chris. And I think that's what I'm most impressed with. These guys are young, but they play so much older. Talk a little bit about how how well Nate Oates does, you know, getting these guys prepared to play and, and, and to be so mature for such a young group and, and the way they handle things, especially with the adversity that they're going through right now, just how impressive it is um, that they, they just appear to be so much older than they are.
7: Yeah, this year um, in particular – I think Nate really set a tone. Okay, well, a he recruited the right kind of guys. That that's step one. But B, um, and and this is what third, fourth recruiting class he's had in Alabama. So that they're more of his kind of guys that he wants, which I, I think is really, really important. But the thing that I I kind of go back to is before the season started, he just went, "Look, here's the deal. If you don't play defense." And you don't play defense well. You're not going to play. Period. And that's just the way it is. And it's it was bam. It was out there to start with. And you know this team came out and and had the right attitude from day one and has played really really uh, well. But yeah, just I mean it's you know you you, you go up and down the roster and, and you look at the guys who are contributing and it's everybody which has been really terrific. This is I mean if you're a coach. This is what you're aiming for. and um, You know, despite the age, like you like just said, they don't look it. They don't play it. And that's the thing that I keep, I've been saying, like, once once we started getting an inkling that, that hey, this team's good, it was like, hey, but, you know, Quinn only's coming back for a knee injury. He's only going to get better. A lot of these guys are freshmen. You know, it's, they're just beginning to figure the SEC out. You know, and and what it's all about, and playing at this level, they're only going to get better. And you know, the injuries are kind of our guys are going to be coming back. Um, just it's it was it's it's all been just kind of piecing together. You know, one step at a time, in every single game, you just see, uh... you know, a little bit more, a little bit more, and and you know, like uh... I, right around the time SEC play started, you, you started seeing a difference in and and he's the veteran, obviously, in this team. And it's, it's, I, it's I I keep looking at the schedule and, you know, some of these other SEC teams are beginning to fall off a little bit. They obviously, you know, they aren't having the, uh, the same success later in the season as they did earlier. Um, Mississippi State is a good example of that. And we're now going to be getting into the part of the season where they're going to be facing desperate teams night in, night out. they got to get a win to try to stay alive for the NCAA tournament. So this team – is going to be tested every single game, and that's even without the, the, the ranking. And now, you know, they're being hailed as a number one seed. Uh, they're going to get everyone's best shot.
6: Chris,
2: I think you hit on this really important point, uh, and that's the defense. Uh, I, I saw him in person for the first time on Saturday, and what I wasn't expecting was just to see the length. Uh, of the of this team, <laughs> player by player by player, and also just the, mm-hmm. the defensive tenacity, and it's it, and it's something as simple as hustle, like I, I think it's the defense that really fuels the offense. Uh, did, do you agree?
7: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, time after time, you see, you know, some team make a pass, and you see this like this arm out of nowhere, because a the guy has you know has the physical ability, but he also had the awareness. You know, the ball shoots out, they get a turnover, and, you know, it's two points for Alabama. Uh, the stat that, that caught my attention from day one that is still right up there is the rebounding. They are grabbing everything, and it's great.
2: Yeah, uh, and they're, they're a fun team to watch. I mean, you, you look at the shot chart, From that LSU game, it's either a three or within two feet of the basket. I think there was one mid-range jump shot, and uh, I love Nate Oates' attitude. If you're open from three, shoot the ball. They're uh, and I think Nate Oates may be on to something about sort of revolutionizing how college basketball is played. And I know it's not just him. He's not the only one who can, you know, do the analytics. But, uh, hey, Chris, why don't you tell uh, our listeners how they can uh, read you and uh, follow you?
7: Uh, Bama Central, we're your Sports Illustrated home for all things Crimson Tide. And, uh, we just got done with- uh, covering the NATO press conference where he talked about going to Bucky's for the first
2: time ever. <laughs> All right, Chris, have a great weekend. Christian, have a great weekend. Everyone, have a great weekend. Be safe.
1: We'll talk to you on Monday. I always wanted to learn Spanish, but I never thought I'd have the time. Then I discovered Babbel.
0: Babbel's lessons are fun. They only take like 10 or 15 minutes, and in three weeks, presto, you're starting